Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Chris Graham. Say it. Jared Brandon. And me, Todd Novak. Hey, how is everybody doing out there in the world, the guitar world, wherever you're at? We are glad you are listening. I was reminded earlier this week that uh, I started talking about the show to somebody. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. What is your show? And just for anybody that's tuning in for the first time, this is a show that we focus on everything guitar. Uh, we are guitar enthusiasts. We're not super pros. We're not in the biz per se, kind of-ish, mostly, right? We are musicians, not professional, but because we love to play in various forms. I'm a self-professed hack. Chris is pretty damn good. Jared is also pretty damn good. <laughs> but interviews are a big deal here. They're a really big deal. This is not an interview episode. <laughs> uh, we have to take breaks in between some interviews. And right now, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. We want to follow up with something. But we do place a focus on people who are contributing to the guitar world in ways that may not always get the big giant spotlight. So boutique boutique builders, boutique luthiers, contributors of various sorts, people who are in the recording, uh, people who are in the professional playing. Um, so that's what we kind of do. And we hope you like it if this is the first time you've heard it. And we're glad that you're continuing to listen if this is the second or 33rd time or fourth time that you've heard it. You look like you have something to say. I have Is that nothing. your just resting face? That's my resting face. You got it. Yeah. It's my resting podcast face. Yeah. You have like thug resting face. Mm, That's because I have an underbite. But you don't talk like an underbite. I'm demonstrating my underbite. Yeah. Okay. It's significant. So hopefully you guys out there are having a cool guitar week. Uh, we certainly did, and we'll get into that later. Uh, we're going to focus on this uh, guitar show that we just went to and guitar shows in general. We're going to have a little discussion about that. I think there's some important things that we want to communicate. So let's get into what is going on in our guitar worlds this week. Jared. Well, I've decided to get the old guitars out and... Uh, what are you, Tom? Like Tom Sawyer or something? Like, well, well, I've decided to get that. That had old more, Tom Sawyer. More of a Shawshank Redemption. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe not Tom. Tom Sawyer is about twelve. Ah, eh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I like my will. Listen, Hayseed, what's going on? Okay. <laughs> well, and he didn't know, but it was his first. <laughs> okay. So I, uh, I got my guitars out and. I think I did two of them last night. I actually started to work on them. Like I said, uh, my resolution let the last time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I got this, uh, I have this mid-90s Fender Plus. It's a Stratocaster. And the color of it is called Midnight Blue, but it's more of a purple. And, and man, it is just a beautiful color. One of my favorite colors on a guitar. So like... Like Prince's motorcycle? Yeah, kind of like that. I don't know why, man, but I just like the color. So, okay. My eyes like it. 
So I'm wearing purple right now, <laughs> and I like it. Thank you. It's more of a violet, right? Yeah, it's no, kind of maroon. Like, it's maroon. It's, yeah, it's like wine it's more colored. of a manly purple, mauve wine color. No, nope. merlot, not merlot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it's Anyways, pronounced merlot. Oh my gosh, go! So one of the saddles, uh, the there's two little Allen set screws for the saddle to adjust the height, and one of them. And and this, which guitar is this? This is a because we were so distracted. Mid '90s Fender. Stratocaster Plus. Okay. And the, the Nexon, those are my f- absolute favorite. This is not the one that you sold at the guitar show. Wait, that is, is correct. It, that's, that's not that's a plus. That's a different thing. Sorry. That's not, that's, that was half Mexican, half n- not even American. That was American. a Frankencaster. It was, and it was nice. Yeah. And the guy okay, who bought back it loves your, it. Back to your mid Rusted set screw in the saddle. I got a whole bag of those. And I... I Not took, rusted, they're nice. I took some oil and, and put a drop of oil in the rusted thing, and I yeah. kept messing around with it, and the thing wouldn't come loose. Got sick and tired of waiting, in which that is one of those things where you need patience. So don't do what I did at home, but I did take a Dremel, and I crowned that thing oh down. My goodness. <laughs> because I thought, well, this thing's so rusted, I'm just going to replace it anyway, so I may as well get it to where I want it in the meantime. Uh, and order more, so I did that. It, it worked. How are you going to get it out? Well, it should be loose now, by now, because it was last night. Mm. The oil penetrates the rust and the metal, whatever. I right. Know. It's just the way it works. So. Okay. So that's... Uh, I'm having a really good time working on those guitars, and uh, I'm, I'm I glad I... I love doing that. I swear. If I could oh, do yeah. that every night, I would just be a happy guy. Pretty relaxing, actually. Yeah, it is. So uh, I, I took your... Uh, now, I don't want to say no, advice, but okay, but uh, you can I took say your advice. That would prove that I had something helpful to say. Well, you said you like doing it a lot, and and I said, you know, I'm I'm just gonna dig into it, and then I I found the hours were getting late, and I'm like, wow, I spent more time than I thought I would do, and this it's so fun. Mm-hmm. So take care of your guitars; it's fun. So here's the question: What do you do while you're doing that? Like, are you listening to anything? Are you watching anything? Last night I had uh, some nudes, news coverage on. No, you said nudes. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you said nudes. Well, I would have either of those two things on. Okay. So. <laughs> or some okay. some music videos now, or something. See, news know. coverage would just make me break stuff. So right. That's, I can't. Well, I didn't say what it was. Chris, what do you listen to when you're working on? Or do, we, do you watch? What do you do? I, when I'm working on a guitar, it is silent. No music. No podcast, just me and a guitar. And if I'm lucky, one of my sons just kind of hanging out with me, and uh, they're four and six. Yeah. And just uh, today I worked on an electric guitar with my four-year-old, and it was super fun. Awesome. I I like letting them get into it. And they're like, hey, you want to turn this screw? And it's like, Whoa. it's the biggest thing that's happened to them Absolutely. all day. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I you remember You want to use this that, really yeah. slow, handheld, tiny screw, motorized screwdriver? Oh. <gasps> It's like a god. I couldn't wait for my dad to open the case on on his guitars yeah. when he got them out. Yeah, I'd look through the case, look at some of the old stuff. I like putting on like a, a live YouTube show, like a full length concert or something like hmm. that, and just kind of you know because it's music, man. Yeah, um, awesome. Well, th- thanks for sharing. Oh, my pleasure. Really great, Chris. What's going on? Uh, several things. Um, one. I this is kind of fun and interesting. When I was in college, I think I might have mentioned this before. I came across 
for one hundred and fifty dollars, a nineteen sixty six Fender Princeton Reverb oh, blackface. Okay, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a damn minute. That's a pretty sweet amp. Yeah. But okay, you you tell us about this, and then I want to know what else you're doing because. Well, I have several things I'm okay, doing. Okay, good. This is just one of them. Okay, good. But there's an interesting nerd story okay, about it. Okay, give us a twist on this because this is okay. the ever-evolving... I, I ordered a bias scout from tubes, uh, from the tubedepot.com, tubedepot, depot, and it helps you bias your amp. To bias your amp properly, you need to know your plate voltage and your current and my current had always looked good. I'd been measuring that for years when I biased it. And I I mean naturally. Naturally. And <laughs> I found out that my plate voltage was five hundred and ten volts on a Princeton reverb, which is approximately one hundred more volts than it's supposed to have. Uh-oh. And this amp always has gone through power tubes a lot. Oh. And it turned out that some moron years before I bought it had put a vibroverb power transformer. In this Fender Princeton, I a, like a vibroverb. A vibroverb is a very large amp, and a Princeton is a very small amp. And so I took it out and I bought a new power transformer from Weber, and uh, I installed it. And it's cool because the Weber power transformers, many of them, can run on 120 volts or 125 volts, which is convenient because the original power transformers ran on between 105 and 117. So when you plug a vintage amp into the wall, you're getting too much voltage most of the time. So this new amp, I wired the ground switch to switch. Hang on. I want you to re-say that part because that is... That's something that people are going to wait, 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 what, what? Okay. I have a vintage amp. What did you say? I know. I I'm listening. acting like I know what he's talking I wasn't listening because I was, you're reading the tail, the, the bumper in front of me. In the <laughs> 1960s, uh, depending on where you lived, there was about a, between 105 and 117 volts that came out of the wall. So when Fender made the amps, and this was even less in the, in the 1950s, when Fender made the amps, they wired their power transformers to put out specific voltages that were a multiple, in most cases, and sometimes a fraction of for your filament voltages, of what came out of the wall. Now, over the years, the wall voltage has gone up. The electric, electric companies have turned them up. My house is 122 volts on a good day, 123 in a bad day. How are you measuring that? Uh, the power supply in our studio has a, uh, it says on the front of it, how many volts are coming out of the wall. Right, but most people don't have a power supply in their studio in their home, so. Yeah, if you take a multimeter and stick it in the stick wall. Stick it in the socket? Yeah, Oof. and you can, for like three bucks, you can buy a meter to stick into an outlet. But it's safe to say, like, if your home's built in the, what, 80s or later? It doesn't matter when it was built. Oh. Uh, It's what the electricity company is sending down Uh the line. So, uh, for example, a Fender Princeton, if I'm correct, needs 400. The the stock spec is 410 volts on the plate. Um, But that's based on around 115 volts uh, being multiplied through the transformer to bump it up to 410. If you put 422 volts into the front end of the transformer, it will bump it up to somewhere around 440, 430, 450, and your amp is not behaving the way that it did in 1960, if you have a 1960 amp, or 66 in my case. So uh, it will burn through tubes faster. Um, and in my case, because it had the wrong power transformer, which is a vintage, it was a you know 60s vibroverb power transformer. That up on, uh, 
eBay or something? I probably will. Someone at the Good guitar idea. show has tried to buy it from me. And uh, so your amp is running with too much voltage and has to be biased at a, at a lower current to account for that. And anyways, so there are many things I've been doing. One of them was getting my amp to behave properly, and it is delightful now that I've That's done that. That's cool. Excellent. Indeed. Man, well, boy, did we learn a lot right there. Uh, so but that, and I'm also building a clone of my amp out of an old organ tube amp, 6v6s. And then I'm building a, a thin line Telecaster right now. So lots of fun stuff. Cripes. Overachieving bastard. <laughs> All right. <Ooh. laughs> uh, what, let's see. What, what was I doing? What was I doing? Oh, right. This week, um, I started pulling apart my uh what the my cut the custom the custom uh, the the fender custom with the um it's custom two and it has the twin P90s. duncan p90s in it because yeah. i was just like you know what i want to make that into a custom custom with the uh the wide range at the neck and a tele bridge pickup that's what I need to do because I bought it for a backup for my shows for my main telly, but I really want a wide range at the neck, and that's the guitar to do it with. That's so, going to be boomy. Yeah, I think I can still, I should be able to do it. It should work out. I just got to make sure that, you know, it it might leave a hole or two uh, exposed because the... Um, because of the pick guard. So I gotta have pick guardian hook me up and uh, do a custom pick guard on it. But I might, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I might do a, like a gold pick guard on it. I think that would be pretty badass. On that one, yeah, it would look pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it would look sweet. Yeah, I'm thinking. Cause it's a maple neck too. He's mm-hmm. got it too. Yeah. Got all sorts of goodies over there. Not like not gold anodized like the J Mascus Jazz Master, which right. looks awesome. Trust me, like I would love to have that guitar. I think those are really cool. But uh, you know, like the gold underspray and then the all clear pickguard. Oh yeah, almost like kind of like a Gretschy pickguard. He may look pretty, pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. That's not me macking my lips. I was giddy upping. So there. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been really good about that, huh? Listeners, yeah. right? Yeah, you Listeners. showed him, huh? Yeah. Well, it wasn't about that. I took that, that in a stride. I want to make sure I'm doing people right. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, really the main reason, the other main reason that I want to do that is because I really, really want to get one of Jared's wide range pickups in a guitar at my house instead of borrowing his. So that'll help cool. me achieve that. You're damn it, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's once or twice, who cares? All right, yeah. Who's perfect. counting anyway? I'm trying, though. Uh, okay, so that was real fun. Hope you all liked, <laughs> liked all that. We, this week, the three of us, Chris, Jared, and I, went to our local guitar show. Now, this is also at a time when NAM is in full swing. So depending on when you're hearing this, NAM probably would have been passed. So <laughs> but NAM's obviously a huge deal in the guitar world. And it just 
it, it, I was reflecting on like all the rigmarole and everybody saying, you know, I, I'm looking on social and there's like just loads and loads of pictures and I'm on a plane and I'm in the airport and look at our booth and da 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 and here's our badges and it's like it's really exciting and it makes me you jealous. Know, I got it in my professional line of business working at a, at a uh, advertising agency. I, I you know, I, I do that stuff and it's fun. I get it. But it also made it was weird because we were sitting at the sh- we were you know we were at the show, and and I was thinking about the juxtaposition between like that kind of show, and the Big Nam show right, and so I just wanted to have a discussion about that. Now we had a booth. Uh, Jared had a booth. So Jared, you, uh, you want to tell me about your little booth? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so. As everybody knows, if you've been listening to a lot of podcasts, I build pickups. I have a, a pickup company, Brandon Wound. And I do as many shows as I can around uh, Ohio. So uh, I usually buy one or two tables, and uh, and I just build a bunch of pickups beforehand, and, and I try to sell them at the show. And um, it took me about, I would say, four shows to actually start selling product there because you know people would walk by or they'd talk to me and it it took a while but Hmm. when yeah when it just it just took some pounding the pavement and uh i do well there but uh but yeah that columbus is probably my favorite show because i know so many people there and Mm -hmm. and i also go to shows maybe no more than four hours away and there and there's indianapolis there's uh a few in michigan that i'll go to there's a cincinnati show but i would say the the busiest and the most uh traction that i've ever seen is is been at our local show which is columbus yeah i mean it was it was overly packed absolutely packed it was like to the point where it almost was like a Fire hazard, almost like right? a well, it was definitely a fire hazard, but it was like almost like almost a negative experience because all I heard was people complaining about we don't have enough room. I don't, I can't get through. I can't see anything. So right. on one hand, it's like wow, the guitar world is in force. It's out here, and it's like yes, 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 this is great. But it was overwhelming. It was. It was, it was overwhelming. It, it was somewhat frustrating for me at times because when. Uh, You'd have a gentleman just standing there, and he would it, he'd be talking to you about not pickups, and then you have other people trying to look, and they're and they're sort of, and I can't interact with the could be customers yeah. because so yeah, so it was, I was really help frustrating. Out a little bit with that, I got my Johnny Sales thing on. <laughs> um, it was a so good time, yeah, and and regardless of like okay yeah, so ours was in Ohio, but the point that you know, I just don't know how many people are aware of these things? I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say. However, um, I got, I, I don't know, it must have been maybe only a year ago when I was like, holy crap, there's like a ton of shows in Ohio that I found on accident. And that made that just made me think like, okay, well, in every state, these are happening. So, for us, there's a there's what's the web uh, what's the website uh, guitar shows Ohio guitar shows or something like that. I think so. Yeah, Chris added up, and it lists all the shows of the year. 
while we were at that show, we were handed flyers for, hey, here's the next show, and here's the show after that, which we wouldn't have even known existed, right? For, really. Mm. So you have to be plugged into uh, to that to to get all the other information about everywhere else. So that just made me. It just made me think, like as a as a guitar player, uh, as a guitar enthusiast, whether I'm young or old, um, how do I plug into my community, and how do I explore the outskirts of my community? You know, I I think it's the, you know when we went up to Michigan, it's like, hey, we did a little road trip. We went to Michigan. We went to a guitar show. Up that that was a blast. I am looking forward to doing more around us for sure. Indianapolis, but. Once you, so even if you do find those things, the experience is is unique at each each show. Is you know very different. So, point number one, I just wanted to point out, like, hey, everybody, you don't have to go to Nam. You don't have to do it. I mean, if you can, that's great. And if and for all the builders out there, like, that's really what it's for. But for everybody else. Get out to your local guitar shows. It's a, it's, I think it's important for the guitar world to do that. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit why. And I want to mm-hmm. ask you guys about why. So I'm not talking the whole damn time. At this particular show, I think, well, Chris, give me your take as you're walking through the show. What, what was your, what was your like take on the show? With the understanding of like, this doesn't have to be Ohio specific show. This is probably just about any show, right? Any guitar show. Yeah. Well, for me, I was very overwhelmed at the number of people that were there. And like, I'm not really a crowds person um, per se. Uh, I'm a people person, but not a crowds person. So it was definitely extremely interesting to meet uh, the variety of people there, but also to it just taking it all in, like it was one of those things where, where when I was there, I was like, I, I don't know if I like this. But then afterwards, the more I thought about it, the more I, I was very glad that I went and for the experience and, and sort of the spectacle uh, of, oh my gosh, I've never been in a room with 200 various vintage Fender amplifiers and 400 various vintage Gibsons. And like, there was just so much variety and it was cool to be like, oh, I've never touched one of those before. I've never seen one of those right. in real life. And uh, so that was cool. It, it was interesting because some guys were, you know, doing, uh, there was a, the guys next to us in the next booth over had a 1953 Fender Deluxe 5E3 uh, that I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the number one or number two most historic amp of all time, a Tweed Fender Deluxe. It was just like, well, I've never seen one of these. I've always wanted the pedal the, the guys the pedal, pedal guys. yeah that's yeah they sounded um, and they had to put a not for sale sign on that thing oh yeah and before the show opened i mean because everybody clung to that thing like yeah you know. it's like the most desire one of the most desirable amps on the planet yeah and i've never seen no and i might never ever see a real one ever again so it was it was cool it was a good experience yeah and then on the other side of us the guy we had a a 61, a 62. I, he had another one. I can't remember. Uh, one was a single, a single P90 pickup SG. 
I think it was P- yeah, it was P- it was, if so it was an early uh, Les Paul Jr. Yeah. Um, regardless, it was like that was a super crazy expensive guitar. <laughs> but he had a couple other unique ones, and and uh, it's like everywhere you turn, there was like it wasn't it wasn't a catalog experience, you know. It's right. it's totally unique. Yeah, a lot of character. It was not polished. No, and there's a lot of characters too. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of smells, a lot of smells. Yeah, one thing that sticks out in my mind when you say characters is is uh, at when the guitar show was over at the the other facility, the Aladdin Shrine, and they they tore it down because anyway, um, there was a gentleman there, and I've seen him at <laughs> because three, anyway, <laughs> well, you know, it's it's Easton, yeah, so it, it's it a mall area, whatever. So nobody cares. There was an older gentleman that came to the show, and I've seen him about three different times. I've been about seven or eight, nine shows over there. And an older, thinner gentleman with gray hair would walk around in a jean skirt. I just, I, I, I really wish you hadn't said that. Because now I can't. Why not? I mean, I, I want to. And I never I got to meet this. That. I want to meet this guy now because, number one, I want to see. What's going through, like, what's this guy like that wears a jean skirt to a guitar show? Yeah. And am I as ballsy as he is to wear a jean skirt? Well, if you if you took a closer look, you might find out. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, anyways, I, I yeah. am not lying. Yeah. I mean, that is, no, I believe you. That if, totally. If I were going to wear a skirt, jeans are not the material I would opt for. On the skirt, I would go for like something more flowing, a little more, yeah. you know, more freedom, yeah, a little chiffon or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> something that made me feel pretty. So here, let's. Uh, there's another aspect of it. So we're kind of breaking down just this show, representative of many. You have the the neat thing about walking through these tables is like, okay, I'm gonna see. I'm guaranteed to probably see the guitar like I've always wanted, right? At least one of them, maybe two or three. What are the pre the previous show? That we went to, uh, I think it was last summer. The guys had had like three broadcasters and two like fifty two tellies. Crazy. I mean, these are like thirty thousand dollar guitars. He's like, at go least. ahead and pick, pick it up. And I was like, don't. I don't want to. I don't want to touch things. I know. You know? Are you sure? <laughs> um, He's hoping you'll break the, it. On the flip side, you got guys that are making like uh, cutting board guitar shaped cutting boards, and then you have. You know, the Chris and I stumbled upon a table, and it was a little guy in the corner. And I mean, he wasn't little; he wasn't a little person. He was just a guy in the corner, but the table was lit, whatever. And uh, four four pedals for sale. He had four pedals for sale. <laughs> One of which both of us wouldn't. It, we we admitted like I don't have a tube screamer. I've never really been interested in a tube screamer. Don't know why. Just you know. I think they're fine. Just never really wanted one. My overdrive pedals need to be blue, not green. <laughs> so I have my overdrive pedals. He has overdrive pedals. And then we we're both like, uh, we, the guy saw us looking at, at his and he instantly marked it down $20. Like 
we didn't even open our mouths. And he's like, you know what? This one's. <laughs> that's you know, that's a mark of good negotiating. That yeah, you can get them to like, negotiate against themselves. Suddenly, I really wanted a tube screamer. <laughs> and so we kind of hemmed and hawed, and both of us were like, hey, I kind of want a tube screamer right now. Chris is like, yeah, man, me too. Me too. <laughs> Anyways, we can, we, uh, the guy, he's like, hey, where'd you get your shirt? And I'm like, well, we're selling these over at the table over by, Jer- uh, by Brandon. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll make my way over there. So I'm thinking I can potentially get a barter thing going here. So point being, you've got you've got lifetime probably shop owner, at least major collector, who's got, you know, ten guitars that are all over well over twenty five hundred dollars each. Like well mm-hmm. over that. Historic. I mean, it looks like you're going through a museum, yeah. right? And then you get to four pedal table guy, followed up by um this was somebody went and scooped up all the ones out of the local used shop. Yeah. So it's just a, just a vast range of Don't leave out the fruit stuff. guitar. Yeah, this guy's cutting carving up guitars that look like a basket of fruit. I, I mean uh I know him. Apparently a lot of people know a lot of people are talking about him. I Billy yeah. Reinhardt, he is an artist. Yeah. I see those every show. Yep. That was one of the highlights of the show for me was uh, Billy Reinhardt came with this guy, uh, Johnny Borchard. Johnny Borchard's from Athens, Ohio, and is probably quite easily the best guitar player in Athens, Ohio. And this dude was like, his collection in his basement when I was in college was unbelievable. And I'll never forget going over, and he had a 1966 Fender Princeton Reverb like I did, but his had been uh, taken care of by... Really good techs. And oh, I thought you were going to say by like a fruit carver or something. No. Like, oh, no. <laughs> no. Like Johnny is just a wealth of information. He's brilliant. Yeah. And it was really fun to get to see him there and talk about it and apologize for being a stupid youth yeah. when we used to hang out. And uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that buying an amp at a guitar show is kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know that sounds weird, but there's amps all over the place. There's tons and tons of amps. The idea of testing out an amp in a place where there's a million amps being tested out just seemed, it, it's, it's just kind of like one of those yeah. weird things. Like, how do I do this? And uh, you know, there was a guy testing a, uh, uh, what, he ha- what do you have? Uh, uh, it was a Marshall. Marshall uh, valve state right behind Well, no, us. but before the valve state, he had, an, he had another, uh, uh, was an, I think it was a 900. Uh, and... He was he was testing this thing out. This guy had this nine hundred and like five hundred dollar price tag on it or something. The guy was like, oh, "This is too good to be true. I know it is. I know it is." And they're like, "No, man, I was, <laughs> just try it out." So he plugs it in, and like the pots were garbage. It was, <laughs> it was bad. Oh, it was terrible. It was really bad. And I felt, I was like, "That's the main thing you're selling here, dude." Yeah. Yeah. That's, How, that's when you take this? it apart and you you work it with the contact cleaner. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point of it being like that, if that's the showpiece that you're bringing out, you should at least tell the person like, hey, the pots are totally scratchy. You're going to need, need to replace fix. all the pots. Yeah. Just be straight, you know. You know, testing out amps at a guitar show, it's it's touchy because I've, I've been to a lot of guitar shows being a vendor and... uh when you have them pointed towards your table and they just keep testing and they don't stop testing, you can't talk to the person you're trying to deal with. You can't, yeah. It's really difficult. Hmm. And I I learned that 
not by experiencing that first, but by being that guy. Because I I bring an amp and a guitar to test or whatever, and I had my amp toward, uh, pointed towards a table of probably one of the 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 bigger vendors, and he always brings the best vintage cool guitars. Yeah, and I got a a piece of his mind once, and ever since I did, I've always noticed that, and now it gets on my nerves more when amps are toward or pointed towards my table. Yeah, but that's just a little vendor point of view for yeah, you. I get it. I get you. But uh, yeah. Um, by the way, yeah, I'm, I'm good friends with this guy now. So that's good. That's a good touching. Dude. That's a touching yeah. story. Oh. So another interesting aspect of this, uh, you got all the varieties, and you, you know, um, I, I saw a huge gap in equipment there. Loads of amps. Loads of crap guitars. Which hey, crap guitars are fun to buy too. Bring them up, bring bring lots more crap guitars, because we want to spend our money at these shows. And it's like if you leave the show and you haven't spent money, you kind of feel bad, a little bit. You know? I did feel bad. I didn't spend any money. Yeah, I did. I should have bought at least like a neck or something. Something, but so there's loads of like guitars that like there's no way I can pay for. Loads of crap guitars, loads of amps, and loads of like strange and, things in the industry. And a lot of guitars that were outrageously overpriced. Oh, yeah. Like maybe even like a multiple of what their appropriate price was supposed there's some to be. Re- there's definitely like retail prices on some of these things. Yeah, well, you. I mean, you know that they don't expect to get that right. I mean, that's, well, yeah, but the start, they, they well, start don't the, start there. Oh, I know it, man. Like just, you I know, know. <laughs> I don't know. It's off-putting, and it makes you just like, I don't even want to talk to you. If like you can't even be realistic about like, exactly. look, I'm not going to pay yeah. what I would pay for at Guitar Center or some other uh, large chain music equipment store mm-hmm. um, at a at a local guitar show. Man, this is mental. I'm not going to do that. Guitar Center did that to us though too, though, because the the price of of all this stuff did go down when internet and guitars, the big box store shoved its way into the industry hmm. and yeah. and because of their bulk buying abilities they could offer everything at a lower price and the old mom the brick and mortar mom and pop shops they're still hey man i gotta start high because you know i'm trying to make money to keep my store open blah 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 blah, blah. yeah so i i get it i understand it but in this day and age you have to compete with everybody else that's just the way it is so uh, another big thing that was lacking is there's no there there was a decided absence of boutique luthiers. There's a handful of them, and there's a, there's some really great ones. But I know there's more out there. I know there's more local. So we need more boutique luthiers out there. We also need way more. There's Look, the pedal industry in the guitar world is gonzo. Absolutely gonzo. You could fill a, a giant three-inch phone book with as many pedal builders out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking it. I love it. I think it's great. Why aren't you at the show? Why aren't you at the, at the show in your own backyard? Sell on the internet. That's great. Go to NAM. That's awesome. Furnish those around you because that those... Those are the people that are going to prophesize more than anybody. They see you all the time anyway. 
Yeah, they're gonna be like, yeah, man, I got Johnny's pedals. Johnny's pedals are great. I'm gonna go on there and tell everybody great Johnny's pedals are. Yeah. I would. I just. I want to see more of that there. I want more of everything. <laughs> right, we so all do. We got everything else out there, but you know, what do you guys think about that? Well, as far as more boutique stuff, I agree. I I would love to see a lot more local. Uh, I don't want to say handmade, but more uh, local to wherever you're at. If you live in yeah, Colorado, four or five hours, there, like. Hey, Colorado builders, you should go there. You're right, but uh, middle of the road stuff that you didn't see, um, yeah, I'd love to see more of that too, because that's that's the stuff I'm interested in. And uh, what else would I like to see more of? I think. Let me jump in there with with the local jump, thing. Jump in, Chris. I think what was. What would be more interesting is um, is more local people at a guitar store show, and maybe that's just our guitar show had less kind of local builders. But to me, the essence—if you're at a guitar show, maybe you're a jazz guy or maybe you're a folk guy—but it's mostly a rock thing. Yeah, and I feel like what rock is is authenticity. That's what makes rock appealing. Is that it's like wow, that's this is this is real, and it's not manufactured and i think one of the things that that is appealing about older rock is it's less manufactured than newer rock and you listen to like credence clear order revival or acdc or led zeppelin and there's an authenticity there that you don't see in modern rock and i feel like that there's a connection between authenticity and buying local yeah I, that's fair to say hey i use the- uh, there's i would say imperfection is a is a huge key of that too yeah but to be like, well, I use the pedal from the pedal builder that lives, you know, in the yeah. next town over. There's something much more inherently rock and roll than uh, than I I bought my pedal on Amazon from B- Boss or something like that. A hundred percent. You're way more apt to actually like it. You, like you will actually have an affinity for that thing. Yeah. You will probably develop a relationship with. That, that person in some way. Look, I, that's how we got a hold of Jared. That's exactly how we got a hold of Jared. And everybody else that we've had on the show, like I'm, I would consider them a friend now. So like mm. those things happen. Continue. Yeah, so I, I feel like <laughs> one of the things that's cool about classic rock and music in general is that it's very regional, historically speaking. You know, the blues really came out of a very specific part of the world you know, Mississippi River Delta. And Southern rock really came out of, uh, you know, speci- specific all parts. All around there. Yeah, all, all around there and specifically in, in uh, oh, shoot, what's the, they talk about it. Uh, and something, something, they got the swampers. And we all did what we could do. Huh? I don't know. There's Florida. A, that's, that's uh, they're from Florida. That's Leonard, yeah. Leonard Skinner. Well, Leonard that's Skinner. Home, Alabama. Yes, so. but but they talk about the studio that's in. Yeah, the hell, what they call it. They call it the the hell room or something like the hell house. I, You guys are screaming at your speakers right now or headphones yeah. listening to us. It, it was the hell house. It was out in the middle of nowhere where they used to practice. It didn't have air conditioning. Yeah. Well, there's, I, I don't know. So getting back to my point, like, Music, I think great music is inherently regional. Something magical happens yep. in a local region and people all hook up together and they're into the same thing and it's unique. 
and then it breaks well, that's out of that. You know, that's a Minnesota scene. That's the that's the uh, Portland scene. That's yeah. the Brooklyn scene. Grunge, the, grunge came out of Seattle. You know, like it's there's something inherently rad about local stuff, about uh, a local kind of cohesive gelling of the of the music right. community. And I think with gear, it's the same thing, or at least it should be, or could be in its best case scenario of, yeah, man, um, all those kids from Madison, Wisconsin, all all really like X, Y, and Z guitars yep. that Joe Bob makes up in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. That's cool. That's rock and roll. Yeah, I would agree. I would 100% agree with that, 100%. And that's why I'm buying some Brandon Well pickups. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I just got to make the note, like... <laughs> We have other picker, pickup builders coming on too, so listen, we will, we will not be shoving Brandon. Well I'm looking forward to that because I'll I'll be able to be a yeah, little more you, outgoing with them. You, you got about three lined up for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another well, okay, thing, so I, the guitar show. It, I think it's important for people interested. In it. Even if you can't play it, and you think you might want to play, go to a guitar show and, and look what's out there, and even beginners I, I wish i had gone to guitar shows when i was a kid i wish my dad totally me too. the only the only thing i got to do was go to the guitar shop with my dad when he needed to buy something because he yeah. was a busy man and, and whatnot but even just going to the guitar shop itself back before the big the big box stores it was i mean it was so awesome just to look at all the guitars lined up on the racks and what's this and what's that and that's a cool color yada yada there's there's something to be said for guitar shows it's, it's going to a guitar store fantastic uh for the average person look i've been playing a long time i do not i still feel strangely in i guess i could say intimidated like going to a, a large name store of whatever you want to call it um it, because it's, it's, I don't know. It's like I don't want to touch anything. I, 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 it, it's a very alien experience, which is really messed up, because it should be like the most welcoming, the most friendly experience ever, and it's anything but that. And I don't know why. And and I know loads of people. We you know we talk about that often. It's like you go in and you're like, hey man, can I help you? You're like, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, you know, really, I want to be like, yeah, I want to play everything up here. Well, I think. Let me let me talk to that. My impression of going to uh, a store whose name I won't use the real name. I'll use a let's call them Sitar Genter. Okay. And um, <laughs> Sitar. you go there, and I feel like when you go to this Sitar Genter place, it's yeah. sort of like going to the gym, and yeah. everyone's sort of like, "Check out my biceps, dude." Ninety nine. That's not how you 100. do that. And there's always 100. somebody just that guy just wailing do on that. the guitar too in the background. Yeah, the, and the really fast. You pick up shredding. a guitar, and the guy across the 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 room from you picks up another guitar, and you kind of make eye contact, like, "Let's do this." <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm that gonna play. Happen to me. I just, I honestly, I don't even. If I can avoid playing them, I do. Well, and I think that's why I try to avoid playing them too. Is there's this sort of like. Sup. Yeah, it's like you want to hear the intro to Thunderstruck. I'm gonna tear this up right now. It is Judgment City when you go to now. In contrast, and this is my point. In contrast, your local guitar show is real. Is it's all real people. 
it's not people who are just like, dude, I can't wait to get out of here. I, I gotta go. I want. I want to go to the movies, or I want to. You know, it's Truth. like yeah. this is this is what their their passion is. It's not. It's more than their job, and well, yeah. that's a big big difference. So They're, you can walk around and you can go to each table, and everybody will will gladly welcome you with a smile, a handshake. Hey, what are you into? What do you play? What do you like? What are you looking like? Oh, me too. I got one of those. I had one of those when I was fifteen. It's like it, you can make you can build an instant relationship with every single table if you allow yourself to. They're taken out of their everyday uh, thing, and they're excited to get down there and to set up, and they have a lot invested in that guitar show. It costs money to rent that table. It takes time to set your table up, and they want to they wanna talk to you. I mean, go to the guitar show. It's awesome. Funny, funny. I'm sorry. I'm running that's out a of gas. Funny side note. The the exception to this story uh, is I met a kid at Sitar Genter yep. one time that I became friends with who worked in the pro audio section. And this this kid didn't have that sort of like, oh, I hate my job. I just don't like being here. Yeah. Ugh. He was so genuine and so kind and so interested in helping me. And then lo and behold, he eventually joined a band called House of Heroes and then uh, to replace their drummer, and then he left that band of House of Heroes, and then he formed a new band with a guy, and the band's name is called 21 Pilots. Oh. And the Grammy nominations, they're like the biggest, one of the biggest names in rock right now. Yeah. Guitar Center. Yeah. He's in my right. phone, it's okay. Guitar and Center Josh. Look, let me, let me just say, I am absolutely not saying that categorically everybody that works at Sitar Genter is, <laughs> is like... A, a burnout or, or like a completely disinterested soul or judging is I'm not saying that I, I've had some experiences where I've actually been like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I want this or that. And I've found someone on the other side who's been genuinely interested. Yeah. Actually sure. came to a gig. So they're there. I am just saying like, generally speaking, that is, there is an air of, I, I I don't know what the word exactly is. I don't know if it's judgment. I don't know if it's well, uncomfortability. It's not it is. their fault. It's not the the people that work at Sitar Ginner's fault at all. There's something inherently soul sucking about working at a big box place. And whether that's yeah. Sitar Ginter or Dome, you gonna buy that? No, Dome okay, buy Heapot. You know, you know. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, when, now we're getting crazy. when I was when I was growing up, I was used to going into the to the guitar shop and I knew the guy. You knew the person who worked yeah, there. Right. And you had a relationship with him. When you go to the the big box store, um, you don't know the person there and you are intimidated. You don't feel welcome as much as you do as the other. So you're yeah. instantly comparing that. I think if you anyway. if you go there enough, you can overcome that. Sure. But part of I think one thing that is lacking there that you kind of get so we've got a we've got a string of stores in the midwest um called music go round i love going to music go round they're always nice it's kind of like a mini guitar show or or like it's like a big craigslist inside a inside a big store yeah right it's used it's used stuff but there is their local guys they're musicians they like gear they're selling gear and you can talk to them and if you go in enough then they recognize you and that's how the, those things start. Point, getting back to the point of 
because there aren't all of those, you know, smaller shops anymore, there's, there just aren't as many, uh, those connections are harder and harder to find. If you're buying online, you're certainly not going to make it. If you are uh, going to a, a major retailer, you, you probably won't get that same thing because it's not the, hey, let's hang around and jibber jabber. It's like, if you're going to buy that, cool, let's buy it. If not, I got to move on, right? Yeah. Um, going to the shows is important because that is arguably the last like big human connection that can actually keep that kind of idea and spirit going community yeah, yeah it's there's it's, it's a micro tell, community man. it's a micro community it's i took a picture tell. and i put it up on the facebook page and i and i did you know it was a panorama view and i'm like i took it and i was like wow this is cool it's really big and i was like wait a minute these are all people exactly like me who are like look at these all these guitars this is awesome i can't wait to talk to these about which one do i want which one can i have what can i buy it's like Every single person in there is thinking the same thing. Rarely are you in the same place as that many people, unless it's like a, a sports event or something, or maybe a concert, where you are all single-mindedly going like bonkers over the thing that's there. You know, what's cool, what's cool to me is sometimes if I'm looking for something specific, like a certain cover that has a certain marking on it, like, eh, for instance, a early 70s, Gibson embossed cover. Cover? Uh, yeah. Pickup pick cover. cover. I'm sorry, okay. guys. Pickup cover. The ones that say like Gibson USA on them or something like that? That's right. Yeah. Or just, it'll just say Gibson. Just Gibson. It, it is so fun to try to find it there. Yeah. It, there's people there looking for random rare things, and it's really cool to hear what they're looking for. Yeah. Because they'll ask you, hey, have you seen a zuba dooba dooba And you're like, oh, yeah, man, it's... <laughs> About five tables down, I saw it. You better get it because he was, you know, it was cheap. That yeah. kind of thing's fun, man. Yeah. It's, it's scavenger. I wonder, uh, outside of our country, if they're, if they're, it's so weird. It's like, it's a world and we're all people and we all, there are things. Um, it, it, like, are there local guitar shows in, in, uh, Europe, in, in the UK, in Australia? In Boy, wouldn't that the be fun to go like, to? Oh my gosh, a local guitar show in another country would be, Awesome. Yeah, I wonder how much the stuff would be compared to, you know, here in America, though. It would probably be very inexpensive. The U.S. dollar is crazy powerful right now. It's it's hurting my business. If we used our money, but if they use their money, you know, because I think our, you know, the American-made stuff that's manufactured here... They'll just ask more because they'll say, "Well, I got this from but, America." We but you'd you be getting stuff from people that have have collected it. See, that's sure. the other thing is like half of what's at the guitar show isn't somebody who's actually made it; it's somebody who's collected this stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. So it is. I mean, it's a swap meet. That's what it is. But it's hmm. it's a single it's a single like uh, passion product swap meet. Now let me give you a little bit of inside information. Give I, it to me. Um, there are vendors out there that come to guitar shows that they own a big guitar store in their area and they go to guitar shows to buy. Yeah. They buy and they well, do bought the one from you. Like that, that was so weird. It's like, we were sitting there. there how many, how many guitars do you think are out there? At Stratocasters. Millions. Like, no, I mean at the show. A, couple, a lot of them. A, a couple hundred anyways, yeah. right? A couple a hundred Stratocasters. And he 
he walks up to your booth, looks behind you and says, is that your Stratocaster? Which was completely out of view. Right. And you said, yeah, it's not for sale. And guess what? You sold it. Because I knew him. I knew he's a really good dude. And uh, he appreciated it was a guitar that I'd shared here on, on the guitar knobs with the, the crazy uh, bird's eye. It's Mabel. the one that he's talked about over for the last yep. several episodes. Yeah. And it, it just looks so site. cool. This, Bang. Took less than 30 seconds. This dude was in love with it instantly. And because I appreciated the way he loved it, I sold it to him. And he gave me a, a nice price for it. I was very Ooh, happy. Love the way you love it. I love I was, it. Man. I was jealous. I thought about that guitar several times and, and thought, <laughs> man. I wish I bought that. Oh man! Yeah, if we would have that's it, how much you were selling but, for. But there which are we won't there are vendors right that get to that show. There are private VIP type people, like George Groon. They that, call him whales. Well, George Groon has known to come to these shows, and he gets in early, and and they buy for their own stores. So yeah. a lot of business is getting done before the. The door's open to the public. Yeah. That's one of the better things that I like. That's why I like going with you because I can get in, <laughs> get I in saw, early and get, get the good stuff. I saw some guys that they would see someone walk in with a guitar case yep. and corner them before they got yep. into the show and say, what do you got? Yep. Let me see it. And because you know uh, what guitar, if, if you've been around the business for years and know your vintage, you can spot a vintage guitar case a mile away. Sure. And you, and People you can will also swarm spot, to them before they even get into the building. You hmm. can also spot a, what what's sure to be crap inside one too. <laughs> this one guy was coming. He came up to actually the table next to, next to us, and he was looking at. I think he was. A, I think it was a '62 SG, nice. and um, uh, and he and he's like, "I've got two guitars. I will trade you for that one." <laughs> the guy's like. Oh, uh, well, I got to see this now. And he looks across and he goes, no. He didn't even open it. Didn't even want to see it. Didn't even want to see it. Because <laughs> I know. Because he could tell. He was like, whatever's in there is crap. No. Nope. There's no way you're, I'm trading it for this. A 62 SG, anywhere from five to $10,000 yeah. any day. Uh, so I guess our point to everyone is, you know, we won't beat the crap out of this, but find out where your local shows are. Find out where the less local shows are. When we're saying local, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be in your actual city. Just it's worth an hour drive. It's worth a yeah. two-hour drive. If you are, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, uh, nerdy enough to still be listening to our podcast, you would love a guitar show. Yeah, if, you've never if you been. haven't been, you have to go. I, I, it's it, it is it is going to be the way that you plug yourself into. A community that that depends on everybody plugging into it, quite frankly. And if you hang out at a guitar show long enough, towards the end of the the actual hours, you could most likely get a better deal than if you went earlier, because guys are there to sell. Yeah, they want to sell their stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, go on the internet, find out where your local shows are, go to the shows, buy a couple things. You don't have to go buy a vintage instrument. You know, you don't mm. have to worry about that. You can be somebody who's starting out um, with a very low budget and walk out. Like I bought what are, I got it right here. This is what I got. You know what that means? It's a cool pedal. So I got a little. Uh, I got the tube screamer kind of. You know, uh, 
And the little, little light baby inside one. of me. And I was like, oh, maybe I want one of these. And then the guy we found uh, who had this on his table, I'm like, hey, that's a, that's a mini tube screamer. I, had, I hadn't seen one in person. And I picked it up and I'm like, dude, this thing's built like a tank. I mean, this is this is a solid, solid pedal. Some of the many, many size pedals you get, you're like, eh, eh, right? But this thing is a beast. And I, I was like, I well, I have to have it. And I got a killer deal on it. Killer deal. It's killer. And we did some uh, we did some research on this. Uh, Chris, how does this how does this pedal stack up against the other tube screamers? Apparently, if you bought a full-size tube screamer and a mini tube screamer, they would be identical, except one takes a battery and is much bigger, and one doesn't and is much smaller. Space saver. Space yeah. saver. It's it's super mini, too. It's not it's not even the full height of a normal pedal. I'm a huge fan of the, the shrinkization of guitar pedals. I like them. I don't, you couldn't I don't get small need ones to have them. 10 years I like ago. Small ones. Now, I'm a big person, though. I mean, I wear size 14 shoes yeah like i i you can't imagine a the, whole but the, but the thing the same of minis size. The, the clicker's the same size i would be like turning on pedals on and off you like three at a time a with little one. bit more space i i mean i think going over the board and saying like all my pedals gotta be minis no nah. ah, whatever that's that's floats your boat that's i fine. think that would be rad i i used to tour with a stagger about 40 pound pedal board not yeah. including the case. Yeah. So the, the idea of like a tiny that I could have like a well, four inch by eighteen inch pedal board. It, here's the thing, just really quickly on the minis, and then we'll then we'll leave it. I think, and you, I want to know what you think. I think if you're talking about like you, ut- especially utility pedals, you know what? Make all my utility pedals mini. I'd be happy. Mm. Let me have like the bigger ones. That, that's like you know the the, the ones of mods and modulation and and you know fancy overdrives and reverbs and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll, give me the bigger ones. That's fine. I don't care. But if if I can not waste my my board space on like little stuff that or big stuff and make it little, that's cool. But you know what I'm talking about as far as you know performance. You don't want to step on three of those at a time, right? You just got to spread them out. You have to account for your foot size. The average person is not going to have a problem. You're not the average person. Uh, all right, let's get to he, our top real four. Big. Top four. Uh, and based on our topic du jour, it is going to be what did we find that we absolutely had to have if we had a giant wad of money in our pocket at the last show? Jared, go. Okay, so I had a chance to walk around, and uh, I went to a table of some good friends of mine, Delay's Guitar Repair, and they had brought two minivan f- full of cool guitars, guitars that they make, and then some vintage guitars, uh, and some Les Paul conversions and uh, that he's well known for doing. But the guitar that stuck out that he had, and frankly, it stuck out of the whole show that I wish that I could buy was a 1954 Fender Stratocaster. Mm. And I know you're not a big Stratocaster fan, but what I found very (laughs) interesting on this particular Stratocaster, number one, it was factory uh, refinished at one time, and it the paint on it was funky. It was candy apple red, and it was 
all just dilapidated and just old. And I think it was, it was original paint. It was Fender. It, it was a Fender had repainted it at some point, I think back in the 50. I mean, it was a 54. So okay. it could have been in the late 50s, 60s, whatever, at least back that far. Yeah. So, I mean, this thing was old and grungy and the fretboard was dirty and it was awesome. And it, the frets on it were huge. The neck was kind of resembling uh, one of my Strat Plus necks. And yeah. I was like, man, this thing feels like a Strat Plus. It's awesome. So that's that's my favorite How neck. How much was that? Strat. You know what? I don't know, but I guarantee it was over nine or $10,000. Yeah. Any, I mean, I guarantee it. Two out of the three pickups were bad on it, too. And he said, hey, man, I'm going to send you these pickups to it, probably all three to be rewound. And I was... Man, I was so excited. I'm like, please let me rewind. Oh, that's these. cool. But didn't happen. He sold it as it was. Mm. I didn't realize he was going to... I mean, it was for sale because it was there, but gosh, I didn't think someone would buy it and someone bought it. Man, so, can you imagine rolling into a guitar show with ten grand in cash in your pocket? Guys do it. Jeez. George Groom. Some, some people are there with purses full of cash. To buy. Wow. But I am not one of those Zoinks. people. <laughs> I am not one of them. But that guitar, I wish I could, because it felt awesome. It didn't feel like an everyday, hmm. boring Stratocaster. It had loads of character. Wow. And it's hard to explain over audio, but if you saw it and held it, you knew, you'd know what I was talking about. Hmm. That is, is my top four. My top four, I saw a Gibson ES-330, and that's the basically the semi-hollow body, double cutaway, huge kind of BB King style, but with P90s. And uh, I, when I lived in Athens, Ohio, when I was in my early 20s, there was a guy that had a 60s ES-330, and he would let me go over to his studio, the studio that I worked at, and I would just go over and play it. Like I'd go over on like a Friday night by myself and just play it for like six hours. And it was awesome. And I would love, it was a cherry, it was a red, mm -hmm. you know, see-through finish. I would love to have an ES-330 someday. Get yes. P90 we, so we bar. both were drooling over that one. Indeed. <laughs> Very good. That was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> that was drool. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I uh, I think a gentleman was actually trying to purchase it at the time, so I didn't get intimately familiar with it. But it was the only one that I really saw that caught my eye. I saw a couple of other, you know, everybody knows I like a double cutaway. Uh, and this guy had a uh, the TV, the TV yellow, uh, around the 61 because it was the... Uh, dual P90s, uh, Gibson, Les Paul, and it was beautiful. And I would really, really, really love to have a guitar like that. It doesn't have to be vintage. I just want the, I want the, sh I want the shape. I'll take that. If I'm going to go make one, and we've talked about, you know, builds and stuff, like that's that's what I'm, I, I would really want to have something like that. A Firebird. No, 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 no. 
the Gibson double cutaway. Uh, you were right Les here Paul. while I said all that. I know. I, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know why you I said Firebird. He's just going. The whole time I'm talking, I'm like, yeah, it's a double. He's like, oh, pizza. Yep. The Firebird has zero cutaways, right? This is true. Well, it's an it, offset. It kind of has. Yeah, it's an offset. So, no, no, no. <laughs> so, you want to borrow thank you, my... Thank uh, you for joining us. Uh, I was talking about the Gibson Les Paul Jr. around a 1961-ish dual P90 TV yellow double cutaway. Beautiful. You can borrow mine again if you want. I do want to borrow that one again. That's fine. Actually, while you're putting it, while you're taking care of my uh, uh, Gibson custom. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Your Fender Squire custom, right? No, the other one. Okay. Not the Gibson, the Epiphone, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about a Same guitar thing, that right? I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I want. The, yeah, no, the, the, the black Les Paul. Yeah. Like the, the black beauty, but the Epiphone version. Yeah, that's and, cool. Yeah. Sure. So, okay. Blibbity blobbity. Blue. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for paying attention, listening, for continuing to be... Um, supporters of the show uh we really appreciate all the emails and all the comments that you give us uh i read through every single one i would love to hear from you uh please shoot us a note go to uh go to our website and do that and that all that information's coming right up but in the meantime subscribe the last podcast he took out my ear you took it out on purpose because you faded out on it. I'll leave it in this time. But I didn't do it. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit us at our website at theguitarknobs.com for episodes, news, and guest profiles. You can get all social with us on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar knobs. Give us a tweet at guitar underscore knobs. And check out our gallery on Instagram at Guitar Knobs. No spaces on that one.